say good evening to you. We're going to make a start and sing together the hymn 42. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hand hath made. I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power through all the universe displayed. Thank you. 
probably, in my mind, the most glorious verse brings us to the cross and God not sparing his son. Let's sing it thoughtfully and prayerfully. few things to remember in prayer. The Davison family, uh, Beanie went to be uh, out into eternity. Last Sunday night we got word on Sunday evening that she had passed away about 10 to 8 or so and uh, we're thinking about those that are left. <coughs> we pray for, for Mervyn and the extended family and all who came to the funeral service today. We had opportunity to present the gospel why do you remember Nan, Nan Nixon? Um, Nan, as you know, has a problem with her hip and it gets dislodged and it's happened again and really she needs an operation. So do you remember her? They're making decisions about her just now whether to send her to Alton McGelvin to have this surgery done. Margaret Davison, uh, she recovers uh, from her fall. She's got back to Northern Ireland safely. Then there's a man, Derek McLaughlin, I'm sure he'll not mind me mentioning his name tonight. Derek um, is ill. He's in hospital. And very thankful to, to Ian. Ian brought me up to see him the other day. And uh, this is a man who is very ill. He's very ill with cancer. And just two or three weeks ago, he came into the spa very troubled. And he wanted to be saved. And uh, the owner of the spa was talking to him and then Sharon came on the scene, literature was given and this man called on the Lord and has not been ashamed to speak to his family about the Saviour, where he stands. So do remember him, please, in prayer. Let's seek the Lord. <coughs> Our gracious God, this opening hymn proclaims God's greatness. We're coming into the presence of one who is above all, the eternal God, who stretches from eternity to eternity. The psalmist said, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God, without beginning, without end. And so, thy dear Son, likewise, and the blessed Spirit of God, the Trinity, the three-in-one, existing, co-equal for all eternity, and yet you brought about creation. You brought about the creation of man. You put him into this world. And we know about the fall and how that by one man's sin came into the world. But Lord, you provided 
a Savior in the person of Christ. And we've been singing about that tonight, and it's brought joy to our hearts as we have thought of the one who came into this world, God not sparing his own son, but delivering him up for us all. We thank you that Christ went to the cross and he suffered and bled and died for us, taking our place as our substitute, standing in our stead. All oh, that wrath that we deserved, all the punishment that, that should have fallen upon us, fell upon him when he was crucified for our sins. And he came out victoriously. And he bought eternal salvation for his people. Lord, tonight we're included in that number. We are the Lord's redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we pray as we come to the house of God tonight on this a prayer meeting evening that your presence will be known and felt. That the Savior who loved us will be central in this gathering, in the midst. We pray that our hearts will be drawn out after him. That you'll give us a fresh view of Christ and a fresh love for the Savior. And that tonight through your word and the application of that word to our hearts by the Spirit, that you will speak to us, that you will open our ears, that you will put an ear upon our heart, that there will be heart hearing tonight, that we will hear from the inner man and receive your word and act upon it and not just be the doer or the hearer, but the doer of the word. We do remember those that have been ill and sick and we have thought about Margaret and getting home. We thank you that she was able to make that journey and arrive back safely. Continue to bless her and strengthen her and heal up the body as well. And we remember Nan, as decisions are made for her, Lord, that the best decision will be made and the best outcome, whatever that is, Lord, you know. And so we commit her into the hands of the Lord, praying for wisdom and guidance to be given to the medical oversight that they might know what to do. We pray for Derek as well. We thank you for that day that he wandered into the shop and was troubled in his heart and wanted to know the Lord and find Christ and has been unashamed to proclaim him to others. Lord, we pray that you'll bless him even in his illness. We pray that your presence will go with him also and bear him up in these days and encourage him. Lord, be pleased to spare him for many, many days to be that witness for Christ. And then we remember the Davison family. We remember Mervyn especially and his wife and with children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Lord, we commit them into your care. We pray that something that was said today, the reading of your word, and Lord, your word is very powerful, quick and powerful as the scripture describes it, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, that your word will find its way into hearts. And the gospel message will, will not fall upon deaf ears, but will be received. And we pray that in the due process of time, the fruit will be born unto the glory of God. Lord, you work these things out according to your purpose and your plan. And you have people listening to your word, even at funeral services. As we stood at the graveside and reminded ourselves of where we were and how that all men must come to this place. We all must die. We all must give up the ghost as Job speaks about. And yet that great question, where is he, where is she? Lord, may that very powerful word of scripture find its way into hearts and bring forth fruit unto God. Remember the needs of this congregation over the weekend as our young people meet and 
as the open air is conducted on Saturday and the meetings here on the Sabbath day, Lord, dwell with us. Make it a weekend where God comes among us, breathes upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit, does an eternal work in our hearts, changes lives that will never be the same again. Remember the Missionary Council weekend down in Oma as well. We pray that you'll travel with those who attend and give them a blessed weekend as they refocus on the missionary endeavor of our denomination. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to thee. We pray that you'll abide with us in this prayer time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The hymn 547. Onward still and upward, follow evermore where our mighty leader goes in love before. If you were to open the hymn book um, and look at this hymn, it's not too far away from a tune that we know. It's not the actual tune in the book, but we're going to sing the one that we know. And we've adapted the chorus just a little bit, taking it a line or two just to make it fit with our chorus. But let's sing it. If you're a child of God, you want to be onward and you want to be upward. That's what we're about, isn't it? We're, we're going forward, we're going onward, and praise God, someday we're going upward. Let's look to Christ, who is our mighty leader, who has gone on before, and as the hymn says, looking unto Jesus. May it be so. Let's sing the hymn.
ourselves at this stage. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name to the prayer meeting and Bible study tonight. Good to have you. We know a number are absent for a number of reasons, but you're here and we have our congregation also on Sermon Audio and Facebook and YouTube and we welcome you tonight as well. For those that are here, there's a cup of tea, all right? There was a lot of food left over today from the funeral service and it was all nicely wrapped up and preserved and kept. Uh, so if you can stay for a cup of tea, it's all ready and it's in the fellowship area and the tables are prepared. So a cup of tea and refreshments if you're not in a hurry home. Tomorrow night is youth fellowship. Samuel, our youth leader, will be bringing up Bible study. So remember Samuel as he prepares his heart and mind and brings the message and pray for our young people in these days. It's also presbytery in Money Slain for the elders. And then Friday to Sunday, it's the Missionary Council weekend in Oma. And some of our folks will be traveling there and we wish them well. We trust that the Lord will stir hearts during this weekend down in Oma. Saturday morning, the open air in the center of the town, 11 o'clock. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting, 8 o'clock. Sunday school, 10.30. Bible class, quarter to 11. And worship service, 12 noon. Family night, Charlotte Cahey from Portavogie will be here to sing. And I'll be preaching in the will of God at both services. And ladies, we're asking you to help out with the sandwiches and the buns as announced. Now here's an important announcement. This is Monday night coming. The Let the Bible Speak recording in Lurgan, probably the last of its kind for us down there. And we need a congregation. I would be embarrassed to say how many names are on the list just now, unless you put them on coming in. So they need to know tonight how many we can muster up from our congregation. And they probably need 25 or 30. So please, if you can possibly go on Monday night, and after tonight's sermon, you probably want to enlist uh, on Monday night. Put your name on the sheet provided. Remember the, <coughs> the school's ministry. Uh, next Tuesday, we're in Castle Row. And then on Friday, we're in Kilmoyle. Uh, these are both primary schools. So remember us as we go there. Then on Wednesday night of next week, the 8th of November, this is a, a function connected to our Christian school is a fundraiser and we want to support the children and the ministry of the school. It's a table quiz here in this hall next Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Bring yourself, bring your family, bring your friends, bring your brains and leave Google at home. I think, not right? Uh, a work team Saturday the 11th We'll give you more details about that on the Lord's Day. And as we said, anyone seeking church membership, please uh, let us know as soon as possible. There is a, a special meeting on Sunday night in Coleraine. It's North Coast Youth Rally. Everyone's welcome. The Reverend Morrow is the speaker and Jonathan Mitchell is the singer and a hot supper is provided. We've been asked to announce that tonight and we're glad to do that and encourage our youth to go. Let's sing 532 as we come to the Word of God tonight. Above thine own ambitions, here. Need to get the E onto the here. Another voice is sounding clear. 
It is the call of God to thee, O Levi, all, and follow me. Turning in the Word of God tonight to Matthew 26, and we're going to read from verse 30. Soon the Lord will be crucified. They've gathered together to be together to institute the Lord's Supper. And for the Savior to have a very deep, intimate conversation with his disciples. 
and now they're going to go out into the garden where Christ will enter into the agony of Gethsemane. And we're going to read from verse 30. And when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. <coughs> Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as I wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Ending the reading at verse 45. Let's unite in prayer. <coughs> Lord, we come again to the throne of grace where we obtain grace. And Lord, we know that there's mercy for us in our time of need. And so this is a time when we Appeal to our God for grace in the hearing of the word, for the receiving of the word, for the preaching of the word. I pray for that, that spiritual anointing of God to, to take this preacher and use him for your glory tonight and speak to all of our hearts. May your name be glorified. May your work be done in everyone here tonight. And those that are joining us on the internet, Lord, speak to them just where they are. Let not your word fall upon deaf ears and hearts, 
but Lord, may it penetrate with great deepness into our souls for Jesus' sake. Amen. There's a little, little phrase that I want to leave with you tonight, and we read it in the opening part of verse 39, where it says, He, that's Jesus, went a little farther. And I want to speak on that subject a little farther with God. We don't, at least I hope we don't want to be just an average Christian. We don't want to merely go through the motions of the Christian life, just passing ourselves. I don't know if there's such a thing as just passing ourselves with God. I don't think so. But just passing ourselves with one another, that we're doing all right as a Christian. We don't want to be the, the normal run-off-the-mill believer living an ordinary, mundane, Christian experience. We certainly do not want to fall into a spiritual rut. I often think of the seven churches in Asia Minor unto whom the Lord sent messages through his beloved disciple John in Revelation 2 and 3. And I'm greatly challenged by the messages of Christ, especially to the first church and to the last church. The first church is the church at Ephesus, the last church at Laodicea. And you will know that there were serious defects found among the members of these congregations. <clears throat> Problems that, that are still manifested in the church of Jesus Christ today. One is lovelessness and the other one is lukewarmness. And we read it in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. The first church, Ephesus, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And then we read about the Laodiceans in chapter 3 and verse 15 through to 17, just to see the description that the Lord gives of this congregation, which was really the worst of the seven. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and of need of nothing, and knowest not that thou wert wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You don't want to be like that. You don't want to be like either of these churches. You don't want to be classified with the Ephesians that reach this place of lovelessness, leaving the first love. And you certainly don't want to be like Laodicea and be that lukewarm Christian. No, you want to be a child of God who is out and out for Christ, abounding in the work of the Lord, on fire for God, full of zeal and enthusiasm and fervor, going the second mile with the Lord, and like the Lord Jesus is described here, going a little farther with God. Now we can never attain onto the heights of excellence or perfection of service with respect to Jesus Christ. He, he is just set apart from all others. We can never be as holy as Christ. We can never be as zealous as him. We can never be as earnest, as compassionate, as loving, as kind and gentle as he. 
Jesus is above us in all these things, in his perfections and his attributes. And yet, we are to be like him, as far as it lies within us. We are to take his example. We are to walk in his steps. Jesus comes to Gethsemane's garden in our reading tonight, and he, he leaves the greater part of the disciples at the gate. We read that in verse 36. Uh, he leaves them there and he says, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. <clears throat> Three disciples were permitted to go a little bit further into the garden with the Lord. In verse 37, he takes Peter and James and John, who were the sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. So he takes them a little bit further into the garden. And to them was given the instruction in verse 38 to tarry and watch with me. But Jesus, we're told in the next verse, went a little farther. Now I suppose there are lessons here even in what I've said to you. You could ask yourself the question, are you a garden gate Christian? Are you a Christian that can go a little bit farther into the garden with the Lord? Or are you more like the Savior and you can go a little further again? Because I suppose that many in the Christian church can be classified in these three ways. Some people get no further than the gate. That's as far as they go. And they don't really get so close to Christ. And then others like the three that are privileged and brought that little bit further they, they wait with the Lord. They see something of his agony. Even though they fell asleep repeatedly. Yet they saw something that day that the other disciples didn't see. But Jesus himself, and he's the great standard. He went a little farther. And that's what I want you to really consider tonight. It may be that this little phrase means nothing more to you. Than simply going a little distance ahead of the disciples who were left to pray with him. But it is one of those marvelous statements that we find in the Bible that, that just seems to stand out in a very unique way. This indeed is one of those terse expressions that sums up the life of an individual. And in this case, it's Christ. We come across a number of these little pointed phrases that in a very concise manner gives us a summary of our blessed Lord. For example, he went about doing good. We read that in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And that's just a little succinct summary of the life of Christ. When you think of his ministry for three and a half years, there, mostly in the area of Galilee, he went about doing good. That summarizes his life. Or we have in John 7, verse 46, never man spake like this man. Doesn't that summarize the Lord, especially in his preaching ministry, his teaching ministry, all that he came to say to the multitudes, nobody ever spoke like the Lord. He spoke with great authority. Or we think of Revelation 22, verse 13, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus Christ is the beginning of everything. He's the end of everything. And we have to say he's everything in between as well. But it just seems to, to summarize the Lord, the beginning and the end. Or that Old Testament reference 
in Isaiah 59 and 17 where it says he was clad with zeal like a cloak. I think that also summarizes the Lord in his earnestness and his zealousness. Or you might consider Solomon's prophetic word in the Song of Solomon chapter 5 verse 16. Having given so many descriptions, he just comes to that summary. He is altogether lovely. That certainly summarizes our blessed Lord. And here, in our reading tonight, we're thinking about this description. He went a little farther. Our blessed Savior went a little farther in everything that he did. In his love, in his devotion, in his obedience, his zeal, his forgiveness, his sacrifice, his works, and his mercy. He was a man of the second mile. And we must ever learn from him. And here learn to go a little farther. To be that second mile Christian. So that's the subject tonight. A little farther with God. And we're going to look at Christ. And we're going to try and just challenge our own lives. Are we like him in the things that I'm going to mention to you tonight? A little farther in prayer. The scene before us magnifies and highlights the prayer life of Jesus Christ. And what an example we have in our lovely Savior when it comes to the business of prayer. And the challenge here is, are we like him? Do we go a little farther in prayer? So let's look at what the scripture tells us about the prayer life of Jesus let me say first of all that Jesus rose early in the morning for devotions, for personal devotions. Think of what we have already been studying in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 1 verse 35. And we're told here about the early rising of the dear son of God. Mark 1 verse 35. In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. It's at 6.30, 6, 6.30, that sunrise is in the land of Israel. Jesus got up before sunrise. He went out into a quiet place where he could be alone. Often, I wonder how often do we rise before daybreak to seek the throne of grace? Not talking at this moment necessarily, but the early morning prayer meeting. I might mention that just in a moment. But I'm just talking about you and me as Christians. Can it ever be said of us, like it said of the Savior here, we get up that little bit early and just go out to spend time with the Lord? Or we're too tired, we're too comfortable, we're too at ease, too unconcerned. Let's be honest, we prefer the, the comfort of our beds and the slumber of our eyes than we do the throne of heavenly grace. We declare how busy our schedule has been and how much we are in need of sleep. And don't get me wrong, we all need sleep. We need rest. But look at the context here in the life of Christ. And see how busy the Lord was that day. Verse 32 to 34. This is the day that the Lord has just had. 
that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. Now let's remember he was already busy during the day. This is now sunset in the evening time and they're still bringing these people to the Lord and all the city was gathered together at the door and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. So you might say, right, the Lord's had a busy day and right up into the evening time, we don't know until what hour, but right up until the evening time, into the darkness of the night, he was still busy. Well, he went to bed and he had a good rest and he, he could lie on in the morning, not so. Think of the day that was to follow for our blessed Savior, for he had a busy day before him. We read in verse 37 that when they found him, they, remember he's gone to prayer now, when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. So he's had a busy day. He's got a busy schedule ahead of him. And yet the Lord gets up early in the morning to be with his father. Despite his busy schedule. Despite his human tiredness. Never forget the Lord was human. He was the God man. He took upon him a body like ours. He knew what it was to be weary. He knew what it was to be tired. And yet he got up to pray. And so should we. And what about the early morning prayer meeting? Could I not encourage some others to rise on a Sabbath day? It's, it's not anywhere near the time here that the Lord got up. But just get up that little bit early and come down and pray. Jesus took time in the evening to call upon God. If you turn over a page or two to Mark chapter 6 <coughs> and Mark verse 46. And when he sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. This is the evening time. And it was also after a very busy day. You know, we say we need our rest. Get, let's get home. We've had a busy day. The Lord has just fed the 5,000. What a ministry that was. All those people, he's preached to them. He has fed that massive crowd maybe 10,000, 5,000 men we know. And now here's the evening time and Jesus goes to, to pray. And it's worthwhile pointing out that, that when he was praying, when he was interceding, it was when his disciples were in difficulty. They were in great need because they're toiling in the storm. And we must find time for private prayer and public prayer despite the busyness of the modern day. And it's always good to remember to be in prayer in troubled times or when our friends are in trouble, the disciples are in the storm. When our friends are in the storm, we should be there interceding for them. Jesus took time in the evening to call upon God. And then there were even all night prayer meetings. The reference I have here is Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Sometimes we think to ourselves, if we've spent 
20 minutes or half an hour in prayer, my, my, we've really prayed through and we've really got the victory and we've really spent a long time there in the closet with God. But Jesus continued the whole night through in meditation and secret prayer. He went a little further, you see. And how many times have we gone the second mile in the place of prayer? 1951, our mission was held. You remember? I don't remember. I wasn't there. Some of you do. But it was held in the, the schoolhouse at Cabra when 100 people professed faith in Jesus Christ. A decision had to be made. Were they going to start a free Presbyterian church or not? Were they going to send the converts back to churches that were liberal, churches that no longer preached the gospel, or were they going to start a church that was evangelical and would preach the gospel? And we know at midnight some went home, maybe some of the ladies went home, but the men, the men stayed on. They went a little farther in prayer, and they prayed the whole night through. And the decision was made at 7 o'clock in the morning to start a free Presbyterian church. It's what it is to pray through with God. But look at his garden prayer. Because you see, this is the context of our text. This is where the Lord is now in prayer, Matthew 26 and verse 39. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You look at the place, he, he went a little farther. Remember, some disciples were at the gate. That's all the distance they got. Three more are brought on into the garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus goes a little bit further. I think it's Luke that tells us it was a stone's cast. That's about 50 feet. So the Lord goes about 50 feet on into the garden as he gets before his Father. We see the prostration of Christ. He's on his face. He fell on his face. Luke tells us he kneeled down. Matthew also concurs with, with um, what we're saying here tonight. He fell on his face. Well, he did both. I can see how the Lord, first of all, kneeled in prayer. And then in the fervency of his praying and in the depth of his sorrow, he, he fell on his face to the ground, showing the deepest anguish of heart and the most earnest entreaty of spirit. Uh, this was the usual posture of prayer in times of great earnestness. When people really meant business with God, they just fell on their face before the Lord and so does our Savior here. And we see the plea of Christ in verse I wish I could pray more often like this. With the depth of his human nature and he cries let this cup pass from me <coughs> whatever that cup refers to we know that it was a, a deep dark cup to drink but he shows perfect submission as we should show perfect submission as we plead with God in prayer and you notice the, the persistence I think we can talk about that here for he went away three times he persevered in prayer. He kept at it. And what about us? What do we know about earnestness and agony and fervency and pleading and persistence? Are we like the Lord? Are we going the second mile? 
How do we treat this means of grace? Are we faithful? Are we fervent? Are we fighting temptation? Are we going farther? We know how important prayer is to the Christian. It's our native air. It's our vital breath. And yet too often we we give it a less place in our lives. Did you ever notice how we can give time and energy and ability to everything else under the sun, but when it comes to this high and holy business, it just seems that it's crammed out by, by the other things. And how sad that is. I think we've all been there. We, we make so little time for prayer. If there is a religious exercise that pleases God and grieves the devil, it's prayer. And Satan will move earth and heaven to prevent us from praying. He trembles, as the little line says, when he sees the weakest saint on his knees. And this is why he wants to do away with prayer in our lives. We are powerless when we are prayerless. Let us resolve, therefore, to go a little farther in prayer. Prayer time is never wasted time. Prayer is the arm that moves the world. Spurgeon said prayer is the thermometer of grace. He said never account prayer second to preaching. No doubt prayer is the Christian church. No doubt prayer in the Christian church is as precious as the utterance of the gospel. To speak to God for men is a part of the Christian priesthood that should never be despised. Jesus went a little farther. And I'm just saying to you and I tonight, so should we. A little farther in prayer. A little farther in love. Romans 5 and 5 reminds us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We are commanded to walk in love. The Bible teaches us that love is preeminent. Now abide of faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And of course, that's the word love. It stands top of the list when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and what's right there at the top is love. And true love is practical. It shows itself. I'm often challenged by what I read in 1 John 3, And verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now I could talk to you about the love that we should have for one another. And that's a very important subject. And it needs emphasized in a day when Christians are pulling other Christians apart. It ought not to be so. Jesus is clear on this when he says, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. We're to love each other as Christ has loved us. And I could talk to you about the love that you should have for the things of God. God's word, God's house, God's throne, God's work. 
And that's important too in this loveless age in which we live. And I could talk to you about the love for the souls of men in these careless days when few seem to be interested. Are we burdened for the souls that are lost? Are we troubled in our heart? Are we reaching out? What do our eyes see when they fall upon the multitudes round about us? But the love that I want to emphasize here is the love for Christ. Because if that's right, everything else will be right. If your love for Jesus Christ is where it ought to be, then every other love in your life will be where it should be. Understand that. If I love the Lord the way that I ought to, then my love for fellow Christians, my love for his word, my love for his house, my love for everything else that is godly and spiritual will fall into its proper place. We love him because he first loved us. And I'm not ashamed to say tonight, I love the Lord. I love the Lord with all my heart. Peter said, whom having not seen, ye love. We haven't seen the Lord physically. We've seen him by the eye of faith. We've seen him in the word. We've seen him in the, the outworking of providence in our lives. But these physical eyes have not physically seen the Lord. So we haven't seen him, but we love him. I love him because he said, here am I, send me. The great counsels of eternity offered himself. I love him because of his willingness to take upon himself human flesh, to be made in our likeness and all that that entailed. I love him because of the life, that perfect life of obedience that he lived on my behalf, keeping the law of God in every detail, that law that I had broken. I love him for going to the awful death of the cross when Jesus was crucified for my sin. I love him for, for being made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I love him for enduring the eternal wrath of God against sin. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Are we going to go a little farther in our love for Christ? And I said to you that love is practical. Isaac Watts went on to write, But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. It's so easy to, to say or to sing, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. Because words are cheap. But think about what we've mentioned in 1 John chapter 3 and, and verse 18, where we're told, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The context is loving your brother, just to put it into the context here, because verse 14 says, we know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So that's the context, but I'm saying to you tonight, it's equally applicable to the Lord, not merely in word and in tongue. 
not just to say, my Jesus, I love thee, but in deed and in truth, true love will be sincerely expressed. And how do you do that? Labor of love. Your labors of love for Christ. Go a little farther. You could do a little more for God. I'm sure it's so for everyone in this meeting tonight. A little more. Give more of your time. Give more of your talents. Give more of your treasures. Do you love the Lord? Do you, do you love him more? And if you don't pray for grace, do love him more? And could I speak to you about some very practical things? I could mention even the making of a cup of tea. We've done it since the beginning of our days in Cabra. And tea has been important. It's an important time of fellowship afterwards. But, you know, just, just bringing that little amount on a Sunday night so people can, can have a time of fellowship the one with the other, it's a little work for the Lord that can be done. Or could we talk about Youth Challenge? I know that Andrew would love to have more help on a Tuesday night. Some of our helpers now are down in Belfast and they're studying and they're not able to be with us on a Tuesday night. But, you know, maybe some of you could be a children's worker in this congregation. <coughs> I know that, that, that Sunbeams needs more workers, especially Wednesday, if I'm, if I'm right. Wednesday morning, that you could come and help uh, in the Sunbeams. Now let me talk to you about Monday night. Let the Bible speak over in Lurgan, down in Lurgan, whatever way. Don't leave without putting your name on the list here. You can go a little further tonight uh, with this and help with the singing down in Lurgan. We'd really appreciate that. You see, so often the laborers are few. And I often say that if Jesus had to lament in his day, the laborers are few. You think about that. When Jesus was on earth, when Christ was there with the multitudes following him, performing his miracles, showing forth in so many ways his deity, and all that powerful preaching, if Jesus had to lament when he was on earth, the labors are few. How much more today with the passing of the centuries when we don't have the Lord physically with us? We need more laborers. You can show your love for the Lord by going a little further what about a little further in forgiveness? How oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Asked Peter. Till seven times? That's what he was thinking in his mind. The Lord had just been teaching what Christians ought to do when faults arise between them and another brother or sister. If, you've got a, if somebody has offended you, you, go to them, Jesus said. Go to them and talk to them about it. And it's always good if right there and then at that level you can get the matter sorted out. You don't have to go any further. And if they won't hear you, if they won't receive you, they won't, they won't be reconciled to you, take somebody else with you. Not your best friend, but somebody neutral that will be able to give help and encouragement in the situation. And if that fails, then bring it to the church. And you don't really want it to come to the church either because when it comes to the church, then decisions will be made and made before the Lord. But the Lord had been explaining, this is what to do. And it seems that, that Peter is still thinking about this, even though the Lord had gone on to talk about prayer 
uh, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. If two of you shall agree on earth, uh, touching anything, it shall be done unto him. You know that, that passage? And yet the Lord, having spoken about prayer, Peter's still thinking about but what the Lord had said about what we do when, when people offend us and there needs to be reconciliation. And so he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 18. If you want to turn to the place, verse 21. He comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus gives the answer in verse 22. I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And this is much more than Peter was thinking about. Just seven times, Lord. My, if, if somebody offended me seven times and I forgave them every time, that would be a great, a great thing to do. But, but the Lord throws out the challenge 70 times seven. If you're going to do the mathematical calculation, I think it's 490, but that's, I don't even think that's what the Lord meant. He, does, he didn't mean forgive them 490 times and then you don't have to forgive them. I think it's unlimited. The Lord was just saying, Peter, whenever your brother offends you, you just keep on forgiving your brother. In fact, if we don't forgive, our prayers are hindered. Thinking of Mark chapter 11 and verse 25. When ye stand praying, forgive if ye have ought. There's a good North Antrim word. If ye ought, if ye have anything against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. When you come to pray, you make sure you're forgiven others. If you're seeking forgiveness from the Lord, you make sure you've forgiven others, the Lord says. Or your prayers will be hindered. It's an awful thing that if we had something in our heart against another brother or sister in Christ and we weren't putting it right and yet all the time we've got desires in our heart and prayers in our souls for, for something, for something that's a real burden in our heart. And we're not seeing the answer to that. Why? Because we haven't forgiven. There's no point in you coming to the Lord seeking for things if you have not done what the Lord has asked you to do. Remember what God's word teaches. I've mentioned it recently at the end of, I think it was at the youth meeting, of chapter 4 in Ephesians. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. There's the benchmark. Christ is always the example. As Christ has forgiven you, you make sure you go and you forgive others. Jesus went a little further. I'm saying to you tonight, we ought to go a little further. If needs be, go to that brother, go to that sister, put the matter right. Be like the Lord. There on the cross when he was crucified, when they did their worst to him, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What about a little further in holiness? Time is gone, but just quickly to say that we're living in an unholy world. We're constantly bombarded with the, the filth and the lewdness of a sinful humanity from every media imaginable. It's hard to believe how 
unholy some Christians have become. The foul programs, the obscene literature and pictures, the immoral practices. And we wonder sometimes if they're saved at all. God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Our God is a holy God. And I want you to know, Jesus died to make you and me holy. 2 Corinthians, in the chapter 7, and verse 1 says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Of God. Go a little further, brethren and sisters. Go a little further in your witness. We'll finish there tonight. The world is perishing around us. Sinners are on the march to hell. Can you not hear the tramp, tramp, tramp of the souls of men going down the broad road that leads to a lost eternity, to hell itself? Can you not hear their eternal cries from the depths of the darkness of hell? David Brainerd at the close of his life wrote in his diary, I cared not how I lived nor what hardship I went through, if only I might gain souls for Christ. Do you feel like that? Even sometimes? What are you doing to bring the lost to Christ? Jesus went a little farther every day of his life. Like the day that he went to Samaria, he must needs go through Samaria. He went that little bit further. Paul had an evangelistic heartthrob. What about you and me tonight? Have we been going a little farther? What about the past week? Since we met here on the Sabbath day, what have we done to see to it that someone is brought to Christ? The Lord wants us to rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave, to weep o'er the erring one, to lift up the fallen, and tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. May the Lord challenge our hearts tonight. Jesus went a little further. I've given you five things tonight to think about. May the Lord help us. And we'll sing that hymn, I think, just now. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. We'll sing two verses of it. And then we'll come to prayer. We'll sing the first and the final verses, one and four. And we'll stand to sing.
The war rages in Israel. We want to remember the land, the Lord's land, the Lord's people. The war continues in Ukraine, and we certainly want to remember the people of that country. And those that are sick and laid aside that are on the prayer list week by week. Pray for the Missionary Council weekend, our family night and Sunday night, the elders' election coming up very soon. Aaron and Lauren got married yesterday. Remember them in prayer. And tonight is the night that we remember our school, our Christian school. And if we can ask you to remember the school's ministry in general and all that we're seeking to do. We say good night to those that are tuning in on the internet. Internet, We trust that the Lord will bless them. Thank you for being part of this service tonight. And as a congregation, we come now to our season of prayer. So let's bow together.